Well, we'll dismiss the boys and girls to junior church. You guys can make your way um, back there if you are going. And we're grateful to have you here today. And if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Mark, I mean, um, Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10. And tonight, um, as in our evening service, uh, we're in the Old Testament and we're coming out of the exile, coming out of the Babylonian captivity. So we'll kind of start the book of Ezra tonight. And I want to encourage you to come out for that. And then also remind you that on Thursday nights, we are in the book of Luke and uh, actually in chapter number nine. But I do want you to... Um, all together to be able to see this passage um, today in Luke chapter number 10. It's good to see you. It's good that you're healthy and you're here. And we do pray for those that are not feeling well every week. There's a new group that's not. But you keep on pressing on no matter what. Uh, let's pray and then we'll look at Luke chapter 10. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would be with us, Father, that you would show forth your glory, show forth your power, that you would challenge us in these areas, Father, that, that you bring through, through the scriptures. Father, that we'd be more like you, that we would consider that which matters to you, what is important to you. And Lord, that that would be important to us. And Father, may we sit at your feet, may we learn of you. Father, may we worship you in the way by which we sing, but also by the way which we attend to your voice. And Lord, we just pray now for your presence to be readily known. And thank you so much for everybody that's here, and thank you for dying for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me, if you could, in Luke chapter number 10, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 38. So that's all the way at the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was encumbered about, much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost not thou care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall be not be taken away from her. I think if you've been in church for any length of time, you're probably somewhat familiar with this story, or at least have some kind of reference point to connect you back to the story of Mary and Martha. And I think if you're catching what, what is going on here, I think most of us can understand the heartbeat of Martha. We can understand and relate to Martha because it sure is easy to become a Martha in this world in which we live in. Um, there is always stuff to do. And there's always more to do, more to do, more to do. And somehow there just doesn't seem to be enough time to be able to accomplish in a day all that needs to be done. I wonder if you've ever wondered if there truly are 24 hours in a day. Because we can never get everything done, yet we waste so much time at the same time, right? We do both. Like, how did I waste all that time? But also, how could, how could it have gone by so fast? I've been busy all day. Because it certainly doesn't seem like there's always 24 hours in a day. And sometimes we just get busy, busy, busy. Now, Satan is so good at what he does. He's able to take something that's relatively good and make them out of balance that they become bad. Being busy and accomplishing things is not a bad thing. Serving God is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. But when out of balance, it's not a good thing. Uh, we, we apply it to the regular everyday world that we live in, um, in our regular extracurricular activities. Um, sports and activities are a good thing. But doing it as Martha did is not a good thing. School's a good thing, but doing it as Martha does here is not a good thing. Serving in church is a good thing, but doing it as Martha does here is not a good thing. Now, in each of these things, there are, there are virtues in them. There is goodness in them. There are things that we can learn and accomplish and be good at, and, and they're, they're enriching our lives, and they may even be used to God's glory, but when out of balance, they're twisted into bad things. And I believe exactly that's what Satan has done here with Martha. He took a good thing, but twisted into a bad thing. So here's what happens. Jesus and his disciples are traveling. They've been oh, together for some time now. They were up in the northern region of the Galilean area, and they were coming down to Jerusalem, and they've made their way into Jerusalem. 
and they come into their friend's house, Mary and Martha. This, will still, this is also the Mary and Martha who have the brother Lazarus that we know from John chapter 11. But they come into their house, and as they come, you can imagine it, right? There's, there's 12 disciples, there's Jesus. Jesus is, is not just a regular person, and they know that. And so there's a lot of, they're all coming over, and Mary's doing, doing, doing. I mean, Martha, I'm sorry, is doing, serving, 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 serving. But Mary's not. Her sister Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening. She's put all the responsibilities and all her other activities and all her other things on the side. She's put them on pause, and she's just sitting, listening, and taking it in. Now, much of what we're going to focus on today is going to be Martha's way and how it's out of balance but I want you to understand something, that this is in direct comparison to what Mary is doing. Jesus doesn't say that what Martha do, is doing is horrible, but it says that what Mary is doing is the better thing, is the right thing. And so what I want you to see, even though we don't mention Mary a lot today, I want you to see that what we will point out, that the preferred thing is to be sitting and hearing and listening at Jesus' feet. How is that done? Well, it's done right now. You hear the Word of God. Not just the preacher's Word. A preacher's just a man. But the Word of God is the Word of God. And the Spirit of God is going to point out, right, the Spirit of God is God. And the Word of God, uh, we have this here, and He's going to use the Word of God to show you, to convict you, to instruct you on areas where you need to just sit, be still, and hear at Jesus' feet. Take it in. And by the way, um, there is an art to listening. If you think about when we listen to other people, sometimes we listen just so we can respond. We're cutting people off before they even finish because we want to hear what we have to say. Or we want them to hear what we have to say. Or sometimes we're going, uh-huh, 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 and, but we're really doing something else. Our mind's somewhere else or our activity is somewhere else. That's not what Mary's doing here. Mary's put all things on a side. If we were preaching this to teenagers, we would say you can't do this with, while on your phone. Because teenagers like to be like, yeah, I'm listening. Maybe you are, but put it down. But it's hearing as Mary is preferred to do. So here's what, how Satan begins to twist in Martha. He takes a good thing and twists it into a bad thing. When people come over your house, how do you prepare? Some of your house is always perfect, so there's no reason or no need to clean the house right away when someone uh, comes over because you're already already done with that, right? No, but for the rest of us, when someone comes over, it might be a week off just to clean up and get ready for someone to come over. I mean, that, that's sometimes how it used to be in our house. We have a bigger house now, thank the Lord. But when we lived in that small house, and we lived in it with eight people, 1,000 square foot house, one bathroom, if someone was coming over, we didn't sleep the night before. Why? Because we had to put everything that was out into some crevice somewhere. Either in a basement, up on a shelf somewhere, underneath the bed, underneath covers. Looks like people are sleeping. Who are those people sleeping? I don't know. The rest of us are out here. Put it in the car. Put it anywhere to get rid of. So when they come in, oh, look, this is how we live. Yes, this is how we live all the time. With six kids, it's perfectly fine. Well, imagine what, Ma what Martha's feeling when Jesus is coming over. As we know, they're believers, and so they know, Mary and Martha both know that it's Messiah coming, and I'm sure she wants to make a good impression. She also knows that 12 men are going to come over, and their feet are going to be dirty, and, and they they got to have the right amount of food, and they got to have the right uh, kind of maybe water for the service to wash the feet. they got to have the right accommodations. So she's trying to get everything done, and when they finally come over, she wants to make sure that, it's, that, that, they're, that she's giving them food, and are you okay? Do you need a drink? Let me finish up here. Let me finish up over there. She's doing everything she can to make them comfortable. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this. She probably didn't even enjoy a single moment of Jesus being there because she was doing, 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 doing. Matter of fact, let me stop there and, and, and implore this on you. If you, when at church, don't enjoy being at church because you're constantly doing, 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 and as a pastor, I would say, let me relieve some of those responsibilities because I don't want you at church doing, doing, doing that you miss all the blessing 
because you think you're accomplishing something. Let's spread that out. Let's take some back. I'd rather you sit here, hear from the Lord, and do less, but enjoy every moment of it because the Spirit of God is ministering to you. I'd much rather that than for you to accomplish everything on a checklist and hate being here because it's become a burden. And I believe that Martha kind of is at that stage where she is doing so much that the fact that Jesus is over is not even enjoyable. Let me ask you ladies, because usually it's the ladies that are preparing this. Do you ever have like a dinner party or people over for Christmas Eve or people over for New Year's or a birthday party or whatever it is that you might have people over and you don't, and, and they're, the, they're the people you've invited. They're your people. They're, you're having good food. But you don't enjoy hardly any of it because you're constantly, I've got to clean up, i got to do that, i got to do that, and then when it's done, you're like, I'm glad it's over. Well, that was enjoyable, wasn't it? Now, but we bring that into spiritual serving, and things become the life. And so, in Martha's mindset, she says these things need to get done. Someone needs to do it. And Mary's not doing it, so I must do it. And I have to do more now because she's not doing it. And so, that's her mindset. And the great thing about God creating us all so different and diverse is that we have different strengths. Some people are type A. Some people are perfectionists. Some people, they see something that needs to be done, and they can do it, and they can do it, and they can do it, and it needs to be done. And there's some people that never see what needs to be done. They just go through life like this. Oh, does something need to be done? Oh, I didn't even notice. If you're like, if you do like Enneagrams and you're like a one in the Enneagram or you're, if you are like a perfectionist and you're like a type A and you, don't you hate the people who don't see anything that needs to get done and they just walk through life the happiest. They're like, and you're like, how could you not stress about this? How could this not bother you? And we're like, chill, man. What's bothering you? My wife and I are like that. My wife is a perfectionist and she like, and I'm like, so she gets mad, like, why aren't you bothered by that? And I'm like, why does that bother you? So there are personality differences, but that still doesn't negate what we have going on here. Mary seems definitely to be more type A than her sister, and she definitely seems that she has the gift of, like, hospitalities or helps. She's a servant. There's no doubt about it. So you can imagine that as she's doing, 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 and catches a glimpse of Mary not doing anything, that could be somewhat frustrating. And I think many of us can relate to that. Some years ago when I was a youth pastor, I, I, I was working in Mastic Beach, and if you're familiar with that area, you know that that can tend to be a rough area. And we were having a VBS, and we had a, a, a pretty big field there where we were having a team VBS, a team VBS. Um, and there were over 100 kids at team VBS. And I remember that at the end of the night, I was hearing rumors that, and we're, not, we're talking non-church kids here, of course, and I was hearing a rumor that there was going to be a fight at the end of Team VBS, which wasn't abnormal at all for what we were used to. And so I heard it was going to be these two siblings, a, a guy and a girl, versus these two cousins, a guy and a girl. And so we, I very cautiously watched and the, and the sister and the brother got in the car and started driving away and the two cousins were out there and we're talking in the middle of the street and all of a sudden the car stopped about 30 feet away and they got it ran at each other and bam right in the middle of the intersection in the middle of the road at night with a hundred people surrounding them and not lying they got into a big fist fight the girl versus the girl the guy versus the guy there was a deli at the corner. The deli pulled down its metal things over the windows. Doors shut. I mean, the crowd, cars can't pass. They're honking. And so my sister and I, at the time, she was our helper, and there was another guy who just got back from the Marines. We went right in there to break it up. We, we, was, we were normal. This is normal for us. And so I remember I had a, um, I was, my sister and I were trying to get the girls apart, and they were tangled on the ground hair. I had to put my hand in the girl's mouth I guess to pull her away because I mean, they were calling each other's eyes out and then the guy who was in the marines broke up the guy fight 
We had an intern that summer at our church who was from a uh, Christian college, and he's from, he was from Ohio. And as we're in there pulling their people, calling the cops, is he's sitting on the side like this, and he's eating pizza. And he's just watching. Now, I understand he has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know what to do. But I remember thinking, are you ser- you're serious? Are you not going to help us break up this murder fest? You're not going to, he's just sitting there eating pizza, thinking, I was like, what's wrong with you? Now, praise the Lord, he's a missionary to Brazil, so he got it all worked out. I don't know what he's seeing down there. But we can, we can understand that. What, why aren't you doing something? Now, as we begin to explore this passage, I want you to understand, again, that Mary ser- I mean, Martha serving is a great thing, but Satan put it out of balance. And so I don't want you to hear, don't serve, and I don't want you to hear, knock it off, and I don't want you to hear, don't worry about those things. I'm not telling you those things, but what I want you to hear, especially those who serve in the church, and especially those who are, who are very busy in life, and especially of those that stress out about a lot of things, I want you to know that Satan can absolutely twist those things that in a sense those become the main things when they're not the main things. And they can become almost idols. And I don't mean that, oh, you idolatrous person. I mean those become so important to you that that's the measure of spirituality. That's kind of where your time, attention, and affection all go. And Jesus says, but Mary chose the better thing at this point where she was sitting at Jesus' feet. And so there's no doubt you can do good things in, in bad ways. And good things in bad ways can become bad things. And again, we say Martha's doing all the right things here, and there's no doubt about it, but she's doing them out of whack. And so what I want you to realize today, I want you to be challenged in today. Focus on the right and good things we do in our life and make sure that, they're not, that we're not doing them out of sorts as Martha does. So again, I want you to have in your mind today your job, your service to God, your dealings with your family, your extracurricular activities, your spouse, and, and, and your priorities and your busy schedule in mind when we look at this. So here's my question. What did Martha do wrong here? And again, the emphasis is on comparison to what Mary did right. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. Because at that time, it was the right thing to do. Now, other parts of the week, Martha can do all those things. But at this time, here was the right thing to do. So here's number one. She had the wrong focus. It is said that Martha is cumbered about. The word cumbered about in Greek has a couple different meanings here. And, and they all are about the same. It means to be driven about mentally, to be distracted, to be overoccupied about. We could say it like this, she's worried too much and she's stressing too much. And what was it that she was worried about? Stuff. And we can all fall in this trap, the trap of worrying and stressing too much, to be overly concerned about something that it sort of consumes us. In this particular application, she is cumbered about, she is mentally worried and stressed on getting this work done for her guests. And she's stressed that someone else isn't helping her. And she's stressed that maybe her guests would be upset by it. Ever been so focused or worried about something that you dream about it when you close your eyes? All you see is that. It consumes you. That's the wrong focus. See, this life isn't about stuff. It isn't about work. It isn't about bills and, it, and money. It's about glorifying God. And, and sometimes it's necessary to take a step back and cast it all on Jesus, casting all our care upon him before he careth for us. I love that the Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything with, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The Bible also talks in Matthew chapter 6 about worrying, but, if we, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. She was driven to do, 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 and it consumed her thinking and her worrying and her stressing. And again, she's doing good things, but she's allowing those good things to consume her. She's allowing it to worry her too much. She's allowing it to stress her too much, and thus she had the wrong focus. Does that happen to you? 
What is it in your life that might not be a bad thing, but it takes over your soul? It takes over your thinking. It takes over your worrying. It could be your job, the tasks of the day, your schedule. Maybe it's just your inner being that says you've not accomplished enough. You've not accomplished. It doesn't let you rest. Matter of fact, sometimes people who are driven by that kind of mentality might find it really difficult to sit still in church because they feel like I'm not accomplishing enough. Can I put it like this? Everything you do to serve in your church is to prepare it for this. And not just the preaching, but the sitting at Jesus' feet in worship. So if you're doing all this, 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 it's for this. But sometimes we lose focus on that. And the ideology of religion says, no, 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 in order to appease God, you've got to do and do and do and do, and that will impress him, and then maybe he'll like you. Nope. Jesus says, come all ye that are, are, are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Sometimes he says, come just rest at my feet. It ought to be that sometimes the week has been so grueling that you almost drag yourself into church where you can, it's, it's like being in a desert and you're crawling to the oasis that's really there. It's not, it's not a mirage. It's really there. And just get that drink and <sighs> you have to allow the Spirit of God to minister to you. I don't want you worrying about what's going on, what has to be done later. Martha didn't allow herself to. And so she kept doing and doing and doing and worrying. Can I, can I warn you that this is the, one of the quickest ways to burn out? I want to give you two pieces of advice about how people burn out. Number one, when you allow things in your life to worry and stress you to no end, and you allow the good things in your life to worry you so much that they rob you of all the joy of doing it. If preaching stressed me out so much that it robbed all the joy, I'd have to sit back and consider what am I doing wrong or am I in the wrong place or wrong time? What am I doing that's, that's, not, that's robbing all the joy from something to serve God? Now, is preaching easy? No. Is preparation for preaching easy? No. But if, it's got, if I'm worrying and stressing about it so much, something's out of sorts. Now, I'll tell you this. Preaching is my favorite part of all church. That's just me, though. I love preaching. I love preparing for preaching. I love all of those different things. But it can get a, that's the first way. You worry and stress about things. It robs all the joy. Number two, and this is an important one, doing more than what God asks you to do. See, I don't really believe you'll burn out when you do what God asks you to do when he asks you to do it. But when you take upon yourself things that God has not ordered you to do or not called you to do, you might burn out. And sometimes it could be like, well, no one else is doing it, so I'm just going to do it. And you start doing that, and then you see another thing, and it, and, and it never ends. You're, I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do that. And all of a sudden, you feel like, I don't want to do anything anymore. And I want you to sit back and say, hey, listen, did God tell you to do that? Sometimes God lets there be a void so we can call someone else to do it. And I understand that here's the good intention. Well, it's got to be done, so I'll do it. That's a great intention. But if it starts to rob you of all the joy, Satan may have gotten in and twisted it, or our, our focus is off. Like Martha's focus is off. So what do we do? We stop and say, okay, what has God called me to do? And we, you'll, I look back at my life and I say, okay, in these particular areas, God's allowed me to be super busy. In this area, he allowed me not to be as busy. Why? Because he was, he was fluctuating what I needed. If I said, I've got to be this busy all the time, or I'm not accomplishing, or I'm not successful in God's eyes, it robs the joy. And if the joy of the Lord is our strength, and, and serving God robs me of the joy, that can't be of God. And that doesn't mean that everything that we do to serve God is easy. It's not. It can be grueling sometimes. It could be hard to trust the Lord in faith, but that's different than robbing the joy because we have the wrong focus. And so Martha here has lost her, the wrong focus. 
We have to do things for God and God's strength and His calling, His timing. And here's what leads us to number two. What else did Martha do wrong? It was the wrong time. So the wrong focus and the wrong time. Let me help you with something. Sometimes it just isn't the right time to do that. Do what? Do whatever it is that you're doing. Jesus tells Martha that Mary has chosen a better thing. It wasn't that there was no need to do things. It wasn't that there wasn't stuff to accomplish. It wasn't that she was bad. It was not the right time. Let me put it this way. At the, end of this di- uh, at the end of this day, we are reading about whose soul was refreshed and whose soul is diminished. Martha's soul is diminished. Mary's soul is refreshed. Mary did nothing. Martha did everything. Wrong time. Now, the easiest way to kind of compare this when it is the right time, when we work at VBS, um, in the two years that we've absolutely had the wonderful privilege of serving alongside you, they've been some of my favorite VBSs of all time, and I really do mean that. Those are grueling weeks. I mean, David and Stephanie and the others who work with us can testify that the week leading up to it and the week after it are grueling because you're setting up, planning, or taking down and cleaning But the week of, when we've done this, we did the little guys in the morning, and then we did the teenagers at night, and we did it all again for five straight days, and we had a little bit of a nap or break in the afternoon, and yet we would still be here till 1 o'clock in the morning. I remember one of my favorite nights last year, this summer, is we sat down literally in the parking lot in Indian style and just talked for a couple hours into the middle of the night. Those are hard weeks. But that was the right time because in all that effort, it's refreshing because it was the right time. But had we do that now, right now, in the middle of this, stressing out, it would rob me of the joy because that's not what it's called to be right now. So it's got to be the right timing. And that's where you have to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God doesn't just throw it to you tasks. He leads your heart, giving you the desire of what He wants in your life hearing the Spirit's voice say, come, go, maybe you should settle down. And for whatever it was, Mary had enough fortitude to say, things need to be done, but I need to do this. There's been times I've had to tell people whose ministry services always made them miss every church service. I, I had to sometimes say, listen, I love that you're helping in so many areas, but I'm worried that you're not being fed enough. Which one can you put aside so you can sit in the service and be fed? And I'd give them the choice. We'd pray about it. But I wouldn't want them to just be here doing everything but not being fed. Why? Because that's dangerous. That becomes religious and not a relationship with the Lord. My wife for years was great at showing her love by doing, 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 doing. But also there were times where I needed her to sit with me, spend time with me, let's talk. The laundry is great and I might be a show of love, but leave the laundry, let's sit and talk. Or let's sit and play a game together. Let's sit and do whatever together. And sometimes that's what Jesus wants us to do in the right time, sit and listen and hear. And by the way, that's not even talking about the rest of the responsibilities outside the church that might pull you away from church. God says, I want you here with me, but you're like, but I got to do this at home. God wants you here with him, but you have these responsibilities. Hey, hey, the right time and do those. Worship in the Lord time is not the time. I can't tell you when you or should and shouldn't be in church. But you know, and the Lord knows. And you, in your soul liberty and relationship with the Lord, you take that up and you ask yourself the question, am I prioritizing right? Do I have the, is the right time to do these things? Or should I be at his feet? Because when you serve the Lord in his timing, you'll be refreshed. When you serve the Lord in your timing or do other things, you might be depleted. 
Never be too busy to be at Jesus' feet. And so you might have to put some things aside. And you might have the mind, I have to get it done now. I understand that that's how you feel. But make sure it's God telling you you have to get it done now and not Satan. Satan loves churches where nobody listens to Jesus, but they all serve. Because they can never hear from the captain. They can never hear from their savior. He's got them doing, 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 doing. I referenced this last week. The church at Ephesus had done all the right things, had all the right ministries, had all the right doctrine, but he said, you've left your first love. Jesus doesn't need our help, by the way. He wants us to be here. Can I explain something real quick? This is one of my favorite examples to try to emphasize serving God. Because sometimes we think we have to. How many people ever made cookies with their grandma before when they were younger, when they were little, at Christmas, or some other time they made cookies with their mom or their grandma? How many people ever, just raise your hand if you ever did that. And maybe your grandma said, oh, come here, stir, the, stir it. And take a lick and didn't get salmonella poisoning. Um, and you cracked the egg and the shells went all in. Or you made a mess, whatever it is. Can I, can I remind you of something? Grandma didn't need your help. She wanted it. She would have done a better job without you there. But she wanted to spend time with you. That's how serving God should be. But in our mind, Satan says, you better do it or it'll never get done and everything will fall apart. God knows how to get things done. And if he's led you to do something, you're not going to think of it like that. Wrong time. Can I also say what Martha had? She had the wrong focus. I mean, the wrong spirit. I'm sorry. Wrong focus, wrong time, wrong spirit. One of the places that Martha really begins going wrong is when she starts to contemplate about all that she's doing. And it goes something like this. Look at what I'm doing. Wait, no one notices, no one appreciates, no one cares, everyone takes advantage. I'm the only one. And then she glimpses by and says, Ah, my sister's not doing anything either. No one sees the importance of this. What I'm doing is the most important thing. And the minute you begin to think these things, you almost certainly will lose your joy in doing them. Being a mom's a wonderful gift from God, but when you begin to take on this spirit, you lose the joy of being a mom. Being a wife's a wonderful thing. Being a husband's a wonderful thing. But when we begin to take this attitude, you soon despise being married or being married to the person that you're married to. Man, it can be the same thing. You can quickly think and add up all you do for your family and perhaps feel underappreciated. Serving God especially, the quickest way to lose joy is serving God with the wrong spirit. Have a me attitude. Have a, hey, I do everything attitude. Normally when you are done serving God, it is a wonderful, refreshing experience, but when you do it with an attitude of, I'm the only one, you'll despise it. You will be bitter in serving him, and you again will do it more of a, du a duty rather than a delight. When you have that wrong, wrong concept. Let me give you number four. What else Martha did wrong? And this is a big one now. Wrong attitude towards others. Not only did Martha begin to overevaluate what she was doing, but she began to undervalue what others were doing. She began to focus on what Mary was doing, and this completely ruts where she loses her mind. She's sort of okay serving, but she loses her mind when she undervalues what Mary's doing. When we're serving God, it's for God, and who notices doesn't matter. If you're serving God to be noticed, like the Pharisees, that is your reward. You understand this, right? At the judgment seat of Christ, which is just for Christians. You have the great white throne judgment, which is for unbelievers. But the, the judgment seat of Christ, or the bema seat of Christ, will all of our works will be put through a furnace. And that which we've done for God's glory with pure motive will come out as, as gold, silver, precious stones. That which we've done for selfish motive to be seen will, will go through as wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up. There will be no reward. There will be a loss of reward. 
God wants to not only see what you do, he wants to know why you're doing what you're doing. And if you begin to look at what everyone else is not doing and look at what I'm doing, all of a sudden, all of the focus and attitude of me and others starts to get in the way. And you've lost your reward. And then Satan goes... The Bible is clear that the church is made up of a body and the nose is no more important than the foot or the ear or the neck. That's what we are, a body. And if we're all functioning as we should, it's going to look different. The foot shouldn't say to the nose, why isn't the nose walking? Why isn't the nose helping me walk? I'm tired being on my feet all day long. The nose should help me do this. It's not doing anything. It just sits there and looks ugly. And the nose is thinking, are you kidding me? I'm smelling everything and keeping things out with those hairs in my nose. That's where we get out of whack. Do you know who's the best at telling people what they should be doing in church? The Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God move in their heart. Maybe they should be doing more. Let the Spirit of God show them more. Don't get mad about it. Don't worry about what others do. We used to take our kids to camp down in Tennessee and be like an 18-hour drive, and we'd be down there, and I remember we'd have a meeting with Bill Rice III. Bill Rice III was the man who ran the camp. Uh, I don't know if you know many people of yesteryear, but he's a nephew of John R. Rice, who is a, a famous writer and preacher. But he would have a meeting with the youth group leaders, and he would say, lot, your kids are going to complain this week about what other youth group kids are doing in other youth groups. How come they get to do that? How come, you don't, how come you don't allow us to do that? How come their youth pastor didn't get mad about, about that? Here's what you tell them. So what? That's not our church. We don't, we don't know why they do what they do. We don't care. We do what we are called to do. We don't worry about what else is someone else is called to do. If God's called you to clean toilets, praise God, you get to serve God cleaning toilets. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean that's a wonderful thing because it needs to get done. But what you can't do is get mad at someone else for not being called to clean toilets. Remember this, the Bible says that I'd rather be, the psalmist says, I'd rather be the, the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in tents of the wicked. I'd rather just hold the door open for people. I'm not going to get mad at who else has not been called to do the same thing. I'm glad God doesn't all call us to do the same thing. But sometimes we like to measure it like that. And then we start to get grumpy at other people when they don't do it. And, and, and here's what happens. Anytime you compare yourself to others, you're always going to be led to a bad attitude. Always. The Bible says that if we compare ourselves among ourselves, uh, we are unwise. Here's why. Because if you compare yourself to somebody else and you see yourself doing more, it's going to lead you to a sense of pride and superiority. If you compare yourself to somebody else and they're doing things that you don't get to do or, or doing more and, you, and, and what God's not called you to do, it's going to leave you to a sense of inferiority where you'll think, I'll never measure, I'll never make it, I'll never be good enough, I'm always a mess up. Don't compare god created you unique and different as an individual be who god created you to be and serve in the areas that he's called you to serve and together the synergy will come so don't worry about what others do i love that jesus tells a story about the workers and he said there was a guy in the morning who went out to the marketplace and he hired a servant and gave him a day's wage. Later on, they needed more help. He went to the marketplace, found a guy, day's wage. But it was only part of the day now. Midday went, hired another guy, day's wage. He's going to give the same guy who's working half a day the same as the, the, uh, the whole day. Finally, the story goes on. They get them with an hour left to work. There's still much to do. And he says, I'm going to give this guy a day's wage to work the last hour with me. And the first guy begins to think, wait a second, I'm working a whole day for a day's wage, and this guy's working an hour for a day's wage? And in that parable, Jesus points out, didn't I give you what was fair? Don't be worried about what someone else gets or doesn't get. And then he says, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. We ought to have that mindset. Don't worry. Just serve God with gladness. Serve God with that. Here's where else Martha gets off. 
she begins to get upset in an accusatory way at Jesus. Look again at verse number 39. Now it came to pass that they went and entered in a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received her into his house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was encumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, to she help me. She begins to say to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that she's not doing anything? Don't you care that I'm doing everything? You don't care enough about me because you're allowing her to be lazy and sit there. You need to make her do something. That's what she said, isn't it? Now, when Jesus kind of responds, it's a gentle rebuke over her self-righteous way by which she's explaining this. And I wonder how many times we get all bent out of shape about something at the church or in the ministry, or in the service, and we feel high and mighty about it. And then we find out through Scripture that Jesus isn't all that concerned about that particular thing in the first place. Think about this, right? I don't know. Let's say you really, you know, you're going to go crazy to make sure that the rug is vacuumed. I'm just using a silly example because I'm looking at the rug. And you're going to go crazy, and you're so mad at the people who didn't vacuum the rug, and I'm always the one to have to do it. How come you don't have to vacuum the rug? And that's, why doesn't Jesus make someone vacuum the rug? And then we say, hey, listen, listen. Jesus didn't put that much priority on vacuuming the rug, and if it's robbing your joy, I'd rather it not be vacuumed. Now someone here says, what do you mean? I get it. What I'm saying is sometimes we misprioritize things, that we think things are important in the church, but they're not as important as we thought they were. And I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying put a better priority on worship. Put a better priority on who he is. Put a better um, staple on making sure we're being fed in the word at home, in the in, in reading and prayer time and together in the music and, and the preaching, all of that. We get stressed out that such and such is this way or why, why isn't so-and-so doing this? Why are my ideas being listened to? When we face these attitudes, they lead us to self-righteousness and to, I'm doing more than everybody else or just a plain old sour attitude towards everyone else. They might also lead us to wondering why God hasn't zapped everyone else yet. It's, it's clear it's only God and me who care and everyone else needs to be zapped. Jesus, make her do it. I wonder if you've ever had that thought about another servant in church. Jesus, make him do it. Jesus, make her do it. Be careful that your good works don't make you sour towards other people. Let me say this bluntly. If your service to God has made you sour towards other people, does that sound like it's authentic service to God? Sure, can we challenge them to go further and do more, encourage them, sure. But if it's made us sour either aggressively or passive-aggressively. You may be doing the right thing, but it misaligns your focus. God rather have your heart in love towards him and towards others than for you to serve him and get mad and judgmental at everyone else. Remember what he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, might. And the second, love thy neighbor as thyself. What is the greatest hallmark of Christianity? To love one another as I have loved you. Not to accomplish, 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 accomplish. Now, are there things to do? Sure. He said, go ye into all the world and, 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 and preach the gospel. And he, and he talks about serving. But what does he tell Martha? Or Martha, Martha, you're stressing and worrying. Mary's just sitting and listening. There are a million churches in America that get off because they don't just sit and listen to the word of God. Or, or by the way, as a side note, they replace the word of God with something else goofy. Look, we're going to talk about a biography this week. No, 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 no. We preach from the Bible. You can read the biography at home. Because we need to hear from God. And Martha's trying to serve, but God pointed out to her that her service was leading to a wrong attitude. So we have a wrong focus, wrong time, wrong spirit, wrong attitude towards others. And last one, wrong priorities. Number five, wrong priorities. Sometimes it isn't that we're just too busy it's just that we choose something else instead. And I kind of related to us before. 
Sure, it wasn't the right time, but Martha also chose the wrong priority. And here's what I want to emphasize you to go home with. Make Jesus your number one priority. Everything else in your life ought to be scheduled around that. I've said this before. One of the core reasons why I love Sunday night church is because it helps the day to try to be all about God. Why? Because you can go home and you have a little time to rest and eat, but then you're coming back, so you don't, you don't, you, you, you kind of stave off this temptation. Let me just get out of here so I can get on with the rest of my day. It's easy to fall in that trap. And I'm not saying you have to be at Sunday night church. But what I'm saying is, well, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, so you should be there when you can. But um, what I'm saying is, it's easy to fall in this temptation. What do I got next? Good, let's get church over with. We check that off, and now I get on with the busyness of the day, and we lost focus of, of the Lord. When we come back at night, I know not everyone can, so don't feel, I, I don't calculate who is and who isn't. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to say it helps cement the day to be listening to the Lord and fellowshipping together. Right priority. It's funny how we always find time to do what we want to do. That, that like strikes my heart too. If you looked at my schedule, you would say this, how in the world do you find time to coach baseball? Of course I'm going to find time to coach baseball because I love coaching baseball. How do you find time to hang out with your kids? Because I love my kids. Of course I'm going to find time to hang out with my kids. How do you always find time? You just do. When you love Jesus, you'll always find time. Or you'll serve another time. Or it won't get done and it's okay. Let me say this last thing, we'll pray. Good works ought to flow from a Christ-centered life. They do not produce it. It means we're trying to get a Christ-centered life so we serve. No, get a Christ-centered life and let the serving flow from. That we do it with joy and we do where the Lord points us and we're in our place with gladness. And all of a sudden it's a different experience. Totally different experience. Martha did good things, but wrong timing and focus and priorities and attitude towards others. Mary just sat there, and that was the right thing at that time. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Father, I know, Lord, this passage is geared directly for those that readily serve, readily in church. But it's one of those reminders, Lord, to make sure that we're still being fed by the Word, that we're still serving with gladness, where the devil may have twisted things, either to be seen or because they had to be done and no one else is doing them, or because we, we, that was our responsibility, but we're, we're burdened down and bogged down by it. And there's no doubt that Satan takes good things and twists them to make them bad things. Lord, may you point out in our lives the areas that need to be taken back a little or the areas where God is not our priority in heart, maybe in service and work. But Lord, there is a beauty and there is a joy in sitting at Jesus' feet to worship and to hear. Lord, I pray that you'd point that out in our lives. Father, I also pray that for anyone here who is not sure they're going to heaven when they die, Lord, I pray, Father, that they would call on you to save them. Let me ask you two questions, then we'll have a time of reflection and invitation. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jason, if I were to die today, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you quietly raise your hand? If you're not sure you're going to heaven when you die, would you, can I please pray for you? Would you quietly raise your hand now? Or is there anyone that, that says that? I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Let me ask you the second question. How many people here would say this, Pastor Jason? I know there are times when my things or stuff gets in the way god has pointed out some things in specifics in my life that i just need to recalibrate rethink refocus and the lord spoke in that area would you raise your hand as a testimony of that god's pointed out some things okay i see many many hands listen it's a simple thing let's just sit at jesus's feet worship him in sincerity and truth and the service flows from don't lose your head over all the things you got to accomplish. You miss out enjoying life. You miss out enjoying the Lord. You miss out enjoying your family. 
Father, I pray now in this time that you'd help us. Let's stand to our feet, head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. As the instruments will begin to play, I invite you to come spend some time in, with the Lord in your seat, up here, wherever it is. But I want to challenge you to just reflect and sit at Jesus' feet. Sometimes it feels we're being bad because we're not doing anything. We're just sitting. You're not wasting time if it's on Jesus. Isn't it funny how things can be out of balance even in church? Good things. Not big sinful things. Just good things. So how is your walk with Jesus? How is your relationship with him? Or have you lost sight of that because you're always busy? Even in church. That's why it's wonderful to have so many people. There's so many people that can serve together. That no one has to do too much. Sometimes there is the no one's doing enough 80-20 method, right? 80% of the people do 20% of the work, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And sometimes there's a message for the ones that are doing the work and saying, hey, listen, make sure you're on the Lord. Make sure you take time for your soul to be fed. We're grateful for all that you do. We're grateful for the details that concern you and that you take care of that nobody even knows about. We're so thankful. Make sure your soul is refreshed in the Lord. Don't allow it to be out of balance. Don't allow it to be afflicted. Don't allow the joy to be robbed. The more Jesus we all get in authenticity, not fake Jesus, but authenticity, the stronger our church, our families, ourselves are going to be. couple more seconds and then we'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to serve you, but also, more importantly, allow us to sit at your feet. You didn't recruit us because you needed us. Father, you called us because you loved us. We get to serve you, not because, again, you need us, but you want to use us. And Father, may we never lose priority on that and focus on that. May it be about you in all that we do. May we not sour towards others what they're not doing or what they get to do that we can't do. And Lord, make sure, Lord, help in our hearts that we always, always have that affection and time and worship before you before we serve in any capacity. Thank you, Lord, for how much you love us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.